Welcome to the Get the Knack podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, and I am joined once again. They're all special guests, but uh, I've got a really special guest for you this week. San Jose State great, football great, and now movie producer, TV show producer. He's a video, uh, music video producer. Uh, and once upon a time, he interned for me at the Oakland Raiders. We used to call him Sea Lotion. His name is Carlos Custis. He's famous for, <laughs> for creating uh, uh, laugh tracks with Laugh Mob, uh, sketch comedy. Uh, please welcome to the show, Carlos Custis. Carlos, Woo! it's... I should do all your intros from now on. That, that was amazing. Jesus. You like that one? I was like, I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was it's, like, Wait, it's not me. It's you, my friend. It's you. Um, yeah, so... Uh, it's great to hear your voice again. We've uh, we've texted, we've uh, talked on social media, but we haven't actually had a substantive conversation in a long time. Long time, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, again. It's good to hear from you. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, Merry Thanks. Christmas, and uh, and Happy Thanksgiving from last year, and and right. Happy Valentine's <laughs> Day coming up. Happy birthday. Happy all birthday. All of that stuff. Absolutely, uh, Carlos. Uh, in my uh, in my career in sports journalism and uh, digital media. Uh, you know, I've met people from all walks of life and I've gotten to know quite a few. And I can honestly say there's only a handful that I consider friends and you're one of them. Wow, man, that's that's warms my heart, Jerry. You know, that really warms my heart. You're a good friend of your friend of mine as well. I appreciate that. And, and we, we just got to not, you know, go years without talking. You know, you know, what's cool about a friendship like this and, and good friendships don't need to be talked about. But what what's good about this is, you know, it's one of those things where we go a, a period of time without talking. And then when we pick up, it's like we never stopped. Yeah, I love that. Right. That's that's how you really know. We know each other. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I don't like to use use uh, military connotations with sports, but, you know, we went to war together during during yeah, during a crazy time. Right. So. Oh, God. And I also believe that, you know. Right. And, and uh, people are put in your path for a particular reason. And I think, you know, and we were kind of joking about it off air, but, you know, you don't tear your ACL at San Jose State. You don't come to work for me and I don't get to know you. So. You know, and then we Very don't true. we don't save Nicole Rodriguez in the parking lot after a game, and I don't end up working <laughs> for her. You know, eighteen years later, so you know oh, we no. don't we don't need to get into all that. I don't want to give Nicole secrets away, but let's let's get into some things, right? Let's get into some chronological stuff. Let's go all the way back. You play football at San Jose State. You're a defensive back. Played two seasons for San Jose State, ninety nine and 02. 18 games, two interceptions, including a pick six, which, you know, I mean, a lot of defensive players go their entire careers, never score a touchdown. You you get a pick six. You tear your ACL. ACL you come work for me at the Raiders. Um, you bring other other folks that you know to intern with me. It's it's Siani Jackson and Asia Easley. And the funny oh, thing is, right, and the funny thing is, Asia Easley marries Raiders defensive back Keon Nash. They've got oh my god, they've got right. right. They get this, uh, a budding family going on. And and if it wasn't for Super Bowl thirty seven and the after party, even though we lost, Asia and Keon <laughs> never meet. That's true, true. That's so true. Oh, my God. And what was the word you used to use back in the day when all of this stuff was going on and happening? 
crucial. It was it, it, it was crackamonium or something. I don't know. It was crucial. Yeah. It was crucial. And I tell you what, one other thing, you know, before while we're telling on each other here, when we go go all the way back, I'll never forget. And I don't like to tell too many Raider stories, but I got to tell this one because it, it was all about your facial facial expression. And <laughs> and one of the things I always loved about you was, you know, you you just wore it all on your face, right? Bill Callahan tells the world that the Raiders are the dumbest team in America and you come out of the press conference and the look on your face. Right. <laughs> and and w- the one thing you said to me was, oh man, we got to edit that one. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> no, you can't. And he tried to yeah, walk it know, back and it was all bad. Social media wasn't the, wasn't where it was today back when we were really in the trenches. And, you know, some of the stuff that we heard, man, it's like, wow, that would have been, that would have went viral. So, you know, I mean, you see, you know, world that we live in now, like, wow, we, we, you know, we were privy to some, you know, some, some fun things and, and some definitely locker room talk um, that would probably get some people in trouble nowadays, you know? Yeah. Could you imagine Twitter in that press conference? Oh my God! It would have been going crazy. I it would have blown up immediately. It'd have been like, "Oh my God, what is he saying? Get him out of here!" It'd have been, "Oh, I know, right?" And then, I mean, the media just would have been sitting there; their their fingers would have been cramping up trying to get the tweets out fast enough. Um, yeah. Let's talk about um, your your alma mater real quick before we we get into what you've been doing because sure. I really want to talk about all the sketch comedy stuff and all the video production stuff you've been doing geez the last 18, 18 years um but um but you know your alma mater all of a sudden the last couple of years winning conference championships going to bowl games you gotta you know gotta puff out your chest a little bit like hey man my my alma mater is uh they they're they're back on the scene yeah you know it feels good man you know we we were I think I feel like the my class coming in to San Jose State was a really good class, and we kind of started uh, uh, started a little bit of a winning, um, you know, culture there. Uh, there was a lot of coaching changes uh, uh, during my my time there, and and they finally started figuring it out toward the end of my my uh, years. And a couple of years after that, they won you know a bowl game, and we were pretty close, you know, my junior senior year, but. You know, you know things didn't pan out quite. The, you know, we saw some decent records, and we had some. You know, James Jones who played in the Super Bowl with you know in the pack with the Packers, and also played with the Raiders for a little bit. But yeah, I got um, to know him a little you know, bit. So there was there was some uh, there was some good. Uh, we definitely had some uh, some good years, and 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 it feels better now to to say, hey, yeah, I played at San Jose State. People are like, oh yeah, I know that school. And, you know. Right, because it was just like Jeff Garcia or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. No, now I mean, you know, now it's a respectable, you know, place, you know. But you know, when I was coming out of high school, it was kind of <laughs> it wasn't, but it was still D one. I was feeling really good. I was like, shoot, I, I could play close to home, and you know, um, and I'm and I'm still in the D one, you know, school. So uh, you know, but but it's definitely changed and and, and for the better. Yeah, and you get to play some big time competition. It's not like you didn't go to Ohio State and, and go play. Oh man, that was yeah, man. Uh, that was some good. I mean, we every preseason year we were doing something, you know, cool. We played at 
you know, uh, you know, uh, you, uh, we played Colorado, Nebraska. I mean, shoot, we played that pretty much all the, the big schools. Um, yeah, you, you were know, like Fresno State before Fresno State. Right, right. You know, USC, we were playing everybody. You know, we weren't winning all of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> we had some good... Uh, it's about the experience, Carlos. It's about the experience. Yeah, man. I mean, it, 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 people don't understand. Like, we were... I mean, you got to understand a, 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 a 19, 20-year-old kid in college. He's... You know, like we're going to class every day. We're, we're waking up at 5 a.m., in the morning, you know, working out, going to class, going to practice after that, going to study hall. Then on Friday, you're traveling to another state. You're, you're playing Saturday on, on TV in front of, you know, 50,000 people. And then you're, you're, you're back on the bus and, and, and on a plane going back to your dorm or your, you know, apartment, you got to go to school with everybody else, you know, it's, uh, I barely really experienced college, you know, it was, uh, it, it was so fast the moment of your, your time was taken up. Well, i tell you what, I mean, you took advantage of, you know, the injury to go do something else while you right. were recovering. Right. I mean, first of all, you're one of the best videographers I've ever seen in my life. So, um, wow, thank you. yeah, with a video camera in your hand, you're a wizard, right? So, um, you know, you can shoot steady without a tripod, you can shoot action, you can do all those different things and, and edit. And, and, you know, I remember when we, back when we used to have to digitize television shows off of VHS tapes for fuck's sake. Oh my uh, God. You remember those days? <laughs> yeah. God, I don't even remember that gadget we used to use, right? The, with the RCA jacks and plug into the, yeah. uh, remember that? Yeah. Those how were many, the days. How many little wires and oh cords and programs did we download just to figure out how to. Right. I mean, we had Adobe Premiere, but then we had all these other things we had to use to encode everything. Yeah, Sony Vegas and we had everything. Oh, oh yeah, we did. And then, you know, we had FTP. Right. We, it wasn't right, like right. We're, we were publishing through the CMS. We were like, we got to FTP. We got to get a link. We got to. Oh, right. my God. Yeah. How many late nights do we spend in the office, uh, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights for getting all this content out the door? Uh, but uh, but after you now I can tell this story and you, you're going to have to backfill it because, you know, more than I do. We were talking about it before the show started. So after you left, you recommended a guy to me named Ike to come work for me. Ike uh, McKenna, or his, his first name was uh, Ikenna. I can't remember his last name. And yeah. and Ike came in and and uh, pretty good videography. There's no Carlos Custis or anybody, but um, he was all right. And uh, he was very slow and deliberate. Not when I say slow, I don't mean like mentally, but I just mean he he just worked very deliberately, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then all of a sudden, Ike disappears. And his cell phone shut off. I remember him saying something happened, maybe in the neighborhood or whatever. His cell phone shut off. His check gets sent back, like returned to sender. Um, his email bounces back. And I keep thinking, this guy's in witness protection, right? Because <laughs> right? when the bad guys disappear you, your shit doesn't get shut off. Right. 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 But when the government <laughs> disappears you, it's like you don't exist. It's like, right. it's right? like, what? Who are you talking about? <laughs> right. So this guy just disappears off the face of the earth. Now I've had people quit. I've had people, you know, work for, you know, a short amount of time and be, ah, I can't do this. I got something else, but they at least let you know, right. That they're, that they're moving on somehow, some way, even if it's after a day, right. Nah, this isn't right. for me. Um, 
But then this guy, this guy's on the back of a milk carton. <laughs> I, you know, but thankfully, you know a little bit more than I do. And there's been an Ikenna sighting. Yes, he is doing, he is fine and he's doing well. He's actually an act now slash uh, still doing some IT stuff. But uh, yeah, just saw him in a, um, in a series season so he's thriving in la um i don't know what happened during those years <laughs> but the, God, it's like an episode I, of the wire i mean yeah. seriously he saw something and then the government uh, well we need you to testify and then okay but you, you know i gotta i gotta go away yeah <laughs> right you gotta in costa rica for six months right <laughs> so so somebody saw him called the number on the back of the milk carton and boom there's like there he is yeah. there he is <laughs> under a different he could go a different name now. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Steve. It's just Steve. Steve. <laughs> no, it's, it's Jake from State Farm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well played. You got some work done. You got, got some work done, you know, yeah. He's, yeah. You know. he's the white Jake from State Farm now. Right. <laughs> he's, the, he's the original guy. <laughs> oh, um. my goodness. You know, it's so funny. Um, I was going to mention this because, as I, as you saw in the, the social media promos for the show, is you've got something I don't have. I have a cousin who has this because he produced a film. I still don't have one of these yet. I don't have an IMDb profile. And you've got, I don't know how many credits on IMDb. But it's funny. I see you doing this sketch comedy. I don't remember you being that funny. I was just funny looking. No, just- <laughs> I'm messing with you. No, no, we had plenty of laughs back then. Um, but uh, but what happened after after the Raiders and after graduation, right? Because you got into some music video production. Yeah, so you know, even during even during um, you know working with the Raiders, I was kind of making a lot of relationships, you know, in the space, and um, you know, uh, another of mine who graduated from. State, Rock Jacobs, um, who's a who's a phenomenal, uh, you know, uh, director and filmmaker and VR content creator, uh, and, and and you know he was, let's make some videos. I, you know, I got these, you know, acts for this and that, and I'm like, cool, let's go do it. And I was always the guy kind of hopping the VIP rope and trying to network with the artists and labels and managers and all that stuff, and we were able to some some contacts and he contacts and you know his other producing buddy brought in some um solid you know gigs and we were able to kind of pull some music videos together and you know kind of write around you know everybody you know as it is the hyphy movement that was kind of right you know in the early 2000s mid 2005 six um and you know we we you know some of the were had some you know, some of the rappers were doing some really good music and they had some stuff on the radio and we were able to kind of bring kind of a Hollywood look to some of the music videos and, and they were able to get on, you know, 106 Park and, and MTV and all these other platforms and it kind of gave us the confidence to, you know, try to do bigger and better and, you know, we kind of were helped really kind of the Bay Area on, you know, as, as far as music on the map visually, you know, and, and kind of compete with all the other music videos out there, um, you know, in the marketplace. And, and I think that was, to me, validating because it was something that, 
you know, we were help were you know had a really, you know, good, uh, you know, hand in, in, in kind of putting that image there and in, in, in the world see you know kind of the Bay Area scene out here. So it was really it was really kind of for a young you know early something to kind of put his name or, or at least, you know, behind some na- big names, you know, I was able to kind of build those relationships and, um, you know, I, I was still in Raiders where this was thing in my book, this, this music stuff didn't really pan out. At the, you know, if it didn't pan out, I still got the Raiders or, you know, right. Out, you know? But you were putting but, uh, some of those, helping to put some of those, those Oakland acts, those Bay area acts um, on the map. And now, now there's some of the, the bigger, acts in hip-hop yeah i mean you know like i said it was it was like that during that time the you know it was towards the end of where they were spending a lot of money and 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 videos um you know it's they don't really spend a lot of money now um but we you know we got a little bit of taste of that um and where we're like i said we were able to kind of create some you know we, we both ride the video which got pulled off of MTV because these were, you know, on, you know, watching it and trying to imitate it and killing themselves and hurting themselves with the cars, <laughs> crashing their cars. So it was, it was wild. It was like a really good ride. We were like, wow, we're, we're on the map. Like people know who we are and we're, our phones were ringing off the hook. Everybody wanted music video from us and wanted to work with us. So it was, it was, uh, it was a really big, it was, a, you know, that was kind of, Harry, I got to, I'm dipping, <laughs> you know, we were making like, you know, 10, 20 grand a weekend, you know, and I was like, I got to do this thing, you know. And you, um, you you didn't call me to think maybe we needed a website or something right. to, to hook that up. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate know, right? it. You're making 10, 20 grand a weekend and working in a vacuum <laughs> with no, no digital media, but that's okay. Um, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> no, I, I did okay uh, with my 20 year career. Thank you very much. No, but um, the thing of it was, I remember one of the first conversations we, we had after, after uh, you left uh, your internship and left uh, working with me was that um, you, you were working in music videos and, and making these moves and, and doing these things. And now like the two shorts and E forties. And, you know, when, when you talk, um, you know, the upper echelon of hip hop, these, these are the guys, these are in, guys in, in conversation. Yeah, totally. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, uh, and every, everybody under them too. Right. Like, you know, fab and, and the fizz like label, we work with everyone. And, and that was the beauty is like, you know, it, it, gave me the confidence i knew you know playing football and working with the raiders like i had some enough talent to you know work for a major you know company or or, or organization and you know but i i wasn't able to independently and i think that gave me confidence doing some of those videos with you know these major you know names and these 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 big names in hip-hop and you know gave us me more confidence you know and, and that was kind of the the tipping point that made me want to move to LA and, you know, swim in bigger oceans. Meanwhile, meanwhile, hammer was my neighbor in Tracy. Right. So right. You, you, right, you figure That's that right. one. He was, yep. yep. He, yeah, right. seriously. So, I mean, because, because up to a certain point, the only real act in that anywhere near that genre coming out of Oakland was, was hammer. Was hammer. Yeah. Right. You know, 
and, and you know, maybe some of the R and B guys, you know, like Tony 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 or any of those guys. Sure. You know, it's a different genre and you know, R and B's kinda in its own little world. Um but yeah, you know, and it's such a it's small market, you know. Uh, uh, it, it's overshadowed by LA, you know, the very hundred percent. And that was kind of the chip on my shoulder that I, I kind of came out here with. And I, it took a little bit of time, but the, I think, you know, having that chip on my shoulder and kind of that, that Bay Area swag and that attitude kind of helped me uh, and that hustle kind of helped me have success, um, you know, in the space. And, and, and you know, was I was able to kind of carve my own little, you know, uh, uh, pieces, piece of land out here, you know? Sure. No. And, and, you know, I, good for you to go down to LA and, and, uh, carve out your niche and, and do the things that you absolutely love to do. And, um, you know, it obviously has led to other things. You've worked on uh BET's comic view. I used to watch comic view all the time. A lot of great, Man. a lot of great up and coming, uh, comics. The format kind of got a little, wonky and, yeah, and kind of weird yeah yeah kind of turned me off right it wasn't the comics they were bringing out it was just like the format of the show um yeah but you've done some work on 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 comic view you've done some uh work on uh a show called deadliest warrior uh oh man yeah, yeah something called head case uh you worked on the uh the the uh, country music awards uh um, yeah right and uh you know a couple times and uh but you know, the thing that, that got my attention and we, you know, I've seen, I've seen, um, references to this before is laugh mob and, and yep. laugh tracks. Right. So you, you got into doing, uh, you created this whole, uh, like urban sketch comedy thing. And so I really wanted to, to ask you about that. Where'd you get the idea? Um, why'd you want to do it? Uh, and, and how would you describe its success? Man, um, great question. Um, you know, it, it, it came to me in a dream, Jerry. <laughs> no, um, it happens. Laugh Mob was a brainchild of my mentor, Bob Sumner, who was a curator of Deaf Comedy Jam. Um, so he helped Russell and Stan kind of help, you know, curate that show. Um, and you know, in the, the new millennium, he created his uh, new brand called laugh mob and was kind of searching for the next generation. Um, and you know, I, I luckily, you know, stumbled into him, you know, God put me in his path and, and he saw my, you know, work ethic and on a couple of shows, uh, that I was PAing on just, you know, grabbing sandwiches and coffee for them, <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> simple stuff, you know, just humbling myself, trying to, trying to, you know, make a path for myself out here. And he noticed that and he was like, you know, I'm starting something, would love for you to work for me. I was like gung ho. I'm like, whatever, pay me peanuts. I'll come work. I want to learn, you know? Um, and I saw how all the talent kind of, you know, gravitated towards them. They really respected him and, and he was kind of the man. So I kind of coattailed with him for a couple of years and kind of learned the, the comedy space, especially the heavy, heavily the urban comedy space in Hollywood and where to go, who to, who to see and what clubs to pop our heads in and on. And, and we, we kind of got an opportunity to run um, a club uh, or a night at the world famous comedy store on Sunset Boulevard. And mm -hmm. I was kind of 
helping curate that. I kind of was running the room and Bob would be on the East coast. I'm out here just running that room every Tuesday. And, you know, Drake would come in, Chappelle would come in, you know, Kevin Hart and Cat Williams, like all these guys would pop in. We're bragging on Drake though. Really? Oh man, it was crazy. I mean, he would come in just to watch, you know what I mean? It was (laughs) Bieber would come in to watch. I mean, Spike Lee. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. It's I'm just like giving crazy. you a hard time. That is that sounds amazing. I mean, you know, we talked about um, you know, comic view, but you know, you bring up another iconic comedy show in Def Jam, right? I mean, yes. So, again, introduced to a whole lot of comics that we probably wouldn't have been introduced to otherwise. But right. where's this interest for you come come from in comedy? Well, you know, I've always been, you know, a, a, a comedy buff or at least, you know, at least in movies. And, and and I never really was a comedy club goer until kind of college. There was the improv right down the street from my apartment. And I would kind of poke my head in there and some of the nights. And I was just like kind of enamored by comedy. Never knew how to get really into it. Never knew how it worked. And I, I knew I was always the guy in the locker room cracking the jokes. Everybody knew I would clown on you. I would, you know, be, you know, shit talking and keeping the the energy real lighthearted. And, you know, never really knew that was the space I needed to be in. Never knew there was a career there because, sure. you know, the Bay Area is very tech and sports and, you know, just, you know, you know, education oriented. There's there's some fabulous comedy clubs though. There's two in San Francisco. There's one in Pleasanton or, Hey, you know, Tommy T's, right. And you got, you got the cop, you got, uh, well, you know, they used to have, um, the punchline, but that's gone now. And, but you know, there's definitely some rooms, but you know, honestly, comedy is a 30 plus type of a sport, if you will. You know, it's, it's, you got to have to live life. Oh, yeah. A little bit to understand <clears throat> some of the jokes. And, I got I got a story for you, but go ahead. But that's that's kind of how I got into it, and and just kind of rolling with Bob, and and because I had this music video background, I got to know some of these comedians, and to me, they were nothing but rappers. And so you asked me how did I come up with this idea? It was kind of just sitting there waiting for me to, to to find, because these, like I said, these comedians they'll tell a joke, and, and it's two minutes three minutes just like a song well then you're wandering into poetry jam right (laughs) yeah it's like there's a bunch of it's like a little bit of all that and i think you know the hip-hop as a culture has this way of expressing itself in multiple ways whether it's poetry you know whether it's you know music and and uh, whether it's art and and comedy is kind of like that dance that thing that dances in between well it's rhythm it's timing it's there's there's an element of writing there's the spoken word element right i mean you can't just go up there right you can't just go up there and and you know spit jokes and expecting laughs right there's an art to it yeah and that was one of the things that laugh tracks uh, when we when i came up with the idea with laugh tracks i started because i spent so many hours watching comedy editing comedy after this point you know i produced maybe 14 hours of comedy and we were chopping some of that down into youtube clips and i was like Mm. each one of these jokes are like music videos i said why don't we do music videos for them and that's where the idea came i said what if we pretend these guys were rappers and their stand-up bit is the track and we create the music video around it 
and you know they mouth the jokes and drunk history was being really popular at the time so i One said of my well, favorite we'll shows a, we'll take a, a a page out of drunk history but but put it to these jokes and put it on crack because the jokes are are, are faster <laughs> they're they're you know what i mean yeah and and it, and we did a couple uh uh bob uh, uh pulled in a, a director friend you know jamal and, and we shot a couple edited those things up and, and they were hilarious and people you know we we i had a relationship with uh uh, uh my buddy larry who, uh who's who's at apple and he hooked me up with with his buddy uh q who who created world star hip-hop and uh, we, we linked up with q he saw it he loved it and was like i want to put it on his platform r.i.p to q mm-hmm. um and it was it was a wrap after that i mean we got millions of views which turned into 20 millions of views and you know from there just the numbers just kept going up and up and and we knew we had something and from there we were kind of shopping it around and we finally got a deal um with true tv and uh you know we got about three seasons out of that right No, it, it's great because the thing the thing of it is my you know Angie and I are, are big stand up comedy fans and I and I've got a Paul Mooney story to tell you. Oh, so, awesome! Oh yeah, yeah. So we go to a comedy club in San Francisco. Now we're on the mailing list, right? We're we 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 we've gone to see uh, Jim Gaffigan. Oh, we, I love Jim. Yeah. Right, right. We saw him like on the Beyond the Pale tour back in '05 or whatever it was. <laughs> you know, Maria Bamford, people like that. We went to go see uh, John Leguizamo's Sexaholics. Um, you know, we, so we were, you know, before before Noah was born, we were we were going to see all kinds of comedy in in San Francisco. I, I, we've seen uh, Louis Black twice. We saw uh, George Lopez uh, at the Paramount in Oakland. So we're doing, mm. yeah. So we're going to all these co- comedy shows and. Uh, so we see that Paul Mooney's coming and, you know, he's so much more than just ask a black dude on Chappelle. Right. Right. right I mean, right, he wrote right, for Richard Pryor. He's, exactly. you know, right. So he's from the Bay. He's from Oakland. Right. And speaking, Originally. speaking of RIP, right. So raise a right, glass, exactly. raise a glass oh to Paul God. Mooney. Um, so we, we go and uh, I think there's two types of people who go to comedy clubs, right? There's those of us who are fans and we're on the mailing list. We know who's coming. We're like, oh yeah, we like them. We don't like, we don't like that person. We won't go see him. And and so we see Paul Mooney. We're like, we got to go. And the other type is the people wandering around San Francisco with nothing to do on a Friday night right? <laughs> and just blunder into the comedy club. Right. So Angie and I go and, and of course W Kamal Bell is opening. Go figure. Right. So, <laughs> so nice. we're telling we're telling the greeter not to put us up front so he puts us uh-huh. up front of course <laughs> so there are these three white couples in the corner and yes i know i'm white there's three white <laughs> couples in the corner and paul sets into them from the beginning and oh, it, no. and he can tell that angie and i are getting the jokes and i'm actually ahead of him Right, he could see me mouthing what he's gonna say next. He's like, "Don't get ahead of me." And he looks at me and Angie, and he goes, "Some of y'all get it," and he points to the uh, the three couples. Some of y'all don't. And and it was like this moment, right? This connection yeah. I had with this iconic comedian, and I'm like, "Yeah, 
I, I get it. And he gets I me. Get it. It, we, we had this moment, right? It was great. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, before that, W. Kamal Bell's making fun of us and all kinds of crap. But, um, but no, it was, it was fantastic. And if you know comedy, right? I mean, there are no uh, racial barriers. There's no, no, none of that. If you, you know, if you it's enjoy all about the jokes. Yeah. it is, and you got to be able to you make fun of yourself because that's what we're all thinking. And he, and the comedians can put it in a way to where heavy issues can get melted away and laughed about on in one room over a joke, because we're all thinking it or somebody's right? thinking it. We've thought it, or we've thought, you know, we've seen it, somebody else done it, whatever it is. It's it's a they're, they're touchy subjects, but you know when someone can talk about it, make you laugh about it, that's progress. Oh my God, a hundred percent. And and you know what's so funny is when you do see a comedian who looks like somebody you know or grew up with. I love Sebastian Maniscalco. I think he's fantastic. Oh, he is so hilarious. He's, he's really like that and as a regular person right. too. He's very like Italian, and, and he's everybody like I grew up with. <laughs> Yeah, he looks oh, like yeah. That's right. You're you're East Coast for sure. Yeah, yeah you definitely went to school with some of those guys. He's right. Hilarious. Yeah, and he looks like he just walked out of a chess king. <laughs> exactly. Right, but but he's funny, and it's like I knew him. I knew guys like him in the neighborhood, right? And it's like, yeah, he, it resonates. The stories he tells, and he talks about you know going to to the grandma's house with the cookies and the you know and the plastic on the you furniture. Got, you got nothing better else to do. exactly and and you know i think you know one of the things i like to do when i was commuting after i moved to tracy was i'd always put the comedy channels on right and yeah. kevin kevin hart has his own, own station on there and um yeah. you know it, it's just really really great just listening to this and i got exposed to a lot of stand-up comedians i would have never heard otherwise by listening to those clips but then you also listen to the classic guys, right? And oh, you know the Jackie Masons and the George Carlins and, and Carlin. You know, oh my God, Carlin's right? my favorite man. One hundred percent. You talk about education. Oh mm-hmm. my God. And, and and learning some shit and laughing about some shit. I mean that guy. We all two we, hours easy easy. And and the the funny thing was when we were all kids and first got cable, the seven words you can't say on television, we were all sneaking at one o'clock in the morning to watch freaking HBO on the cable box. Right. Because everybody yeah. was talking about it, right? And that's everybody was talking about it. You were jealous because you were like, what, what, what are you guys talking about? Right. I, I haven't know. seen it yet. Right. And oh yeah, uh, dad won't let me watch it. Well, just wait till they go to bed. Right. Right. And, right. And, and, the, and the thing of it is, you know, and I think what I find interesting, and maybe there's a little oversaturation with this right now, and especially because, um, you know, it used to be it was HBO, right? HBO, you got the HBO special, you've arrived. Yeah. It's, right. Yep. And now it's Netflix, Amazon Prime's doing it. Everybody and yeah. their brother is doing it. Yeah. Everybody's got to get in their piece. Right. All right. But I mean, when you, when you think about it, though, it, it we're exposed again we're exposed to comedians we would have never been exposed to before and and there's That's true right there's all kinds of lgbtq comics that we're seeing yep uh that we would which, which is which fantastic. I really love. yeah which i really love because you know for a long time i mean not just in comedy but just in content in general it was kind of bottlenecked you know hollywood had this stranglehold over the world i mean the globe 
And, you know, there were so many other stories, so many other, um, you know, issues and, 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 um, you know, pieces of content that people needed to see. And now with the web, you know, people can go to YouTube, people can go pretty much anywhere to find any, any of the content that they want. And, you know, it kind of makes creators like myself who probably would have to, you know, you know, I, I, I got in the non-traditional route. I got in because we blew up online and the, and the, I, I always like to say the streets and would my shit, <laughs> you know, like the, the world, the people said, this is funny. And it made the, you know, people in Hollywood pay attention. And I think that is the power, you know, of the web and, and the kind of the time that we're in, that there's all these other platforms that can, you know, you can, you can kind of cut the middleman out and, and show the audience exactly you know what you're trying to say um and your art and they'll they'll let you know if it's good or not you know no you're right and here's the thing carlos i think i think you're you're 100 right and i don't want to give away all my my public relations secrets for for the clients that i work with but um you you said it and i'm going to say it a little differently the audience is the tastemaker now yep right it used to be these these TV executives at NBC and CBS and ABC, and they were the ones deciding. Yeah. And, and they would sometimes get it right. <laughs> right. And, and a lot of times they get it wrong. Right. And how yeah. many, how many shows lasted, you know, six weeks, 13 weeks, and, and they were done if they ever got past the pilot. Right? right. So, so now it's the audience. You're finding that on all these different social media apps, the creator apps that it's the audience that's, yep. that's saying, okay, this guy's funny. This guy's not, this is entertaining. This isn't right. I mean, but you even, you even find folks from different, uh, disciplines or genres branching off into comedy. Look at Jason Derulo. Oh, I mean, everybody, he everybody owns TikTok. Donald Glover. And, and, you know, I mean, there's so many different, um, you know, even look at my buddy, uh, uh, our buddy, uh, Spice Adams, you know, um, Ex, you know, Bear Niner D right. lineman turned social influencer now because he's just a character, you know, and and I, you know I love it because it's like there needs there are characters everywhere. There's a guy probably in some office or some mail room that's hilarious, right? You know, right? Well, and that's <laughs> the flip. Knows. That's the flip, right? So it used to be the network executives told us what was funny, what was entertaining, right. what was dramatic, what was this, that, or the other thing. Now it's, we are telling them that, Hey, yep. I got a guy and he's freaking hilarious. Yeah. You got to right? see this. I'll send yep. you the link. You know, right. anybody and their mom can literally pick up a phone and say, Hey, I got something funny to say or to do and And they can do it. Yep. And, and that was the beauty of, of laugh tracks. We were able to kind of, blend the traditional stand-up world that no one knew who was funny where to find these funny comedians and we were able to kind of blend their art with you know visual gags that social influencers would do and, and have the physicality and kind of blend the two worlds and, and let them play in, in one place and you know because some of the social influencers are a lot of them can't tell jokes they can't stand in front of a room and and make a room full of people strangers laugh you know right and, and, and they have to edit their stuff they have to add sound effects they have to put it together so you know it was it was it was kind of a challenge but it was a it was an awesome 
kind of experiment kind of putting those two worlds together and letting that live um and i think you know it, it, it did something i mean people still are like oh man i want to i've been working to get on that show are they bringing it back and stuff like that so it's like you know it's definitely uh a, a show to be remembered and, and i think it'll still kind of go down in history I, I'm proud of you for it. I really am. And, uh, you know, when, when, you know, you, you go find somebody who worked with you that, you know, um, I like to think I mentored you a little bit at the time, even though you were, you're, you well, thank you. Um, uh, you know, to see that you've made it and, and the things that you've gotten into are, are fantastic. You know, the one guy that I noticed, was one of the first ones to really take this, this, you know, online comedy and, and really almost legitimize it in, in a way was that I can't remember his name. You probably know who he is, but he's that six second magic guy. Remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Zach something or whatever. And next thing you know, he's in commercials doing his shtick. Right. Right. And he's, he's doing these, these little quick magic tricks and, and some of them are, you know, just creative editing. Some are actually, you know, illusions, but you know, the guy's doing these, these quick little magic skits. And next thing you know, he's in a commercial. So I think it's like proof of concept, right? There's a Zach King, I think his name is Zach King. Uh, Yeah. hundred percent. That's him. That's the guy. He's, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, there's like i said there's a guy out there who has an amazing talent and no one's seen it yet because he might not have a phone yet <laughs> you know or, <laughs> who doesn't have a smartphone exactly. in 2022 smartphone at this point yet. you know it's like <sighs> you know i mean who knows but i mean you know it's all timing you know and i think you know if i were to if I had this idea when I was working at the Raiders, I wouldn't have been able to get it out there. You know, there was um, no way to get it out there. Right. Cause we there was no way we, we were, there was no YouTube yet. Right. So exactly. So right? it was like, it is, you know, there, we, we had Raiders.com. When we're gonna, right. I'm gonna we're lucky we had a page. <laughs> right. We're lucky we had a website. Right. I mean, we're lucky we had a website and yeah. all that traffic thousands mm-hmm. of emails that we had to go through. I mean, oh my kidding? God. You were yeah. See, it's funny. You bring that up. You remember that. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Yeah. Now we have robots to answer all those people, you know? Right. Um, I, I still think, <laughs> right. Yeah. I still, I still think it's absolutely flipping hilarious how connections in this world work. Right. So yeah. I was just talking to Janelle Fondry today and you know, Janelle, she she's doing well, doing well. She's uh, alive and well in Austin, Texas and uh, sure. doing, doing her thing. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, I mean, cause we, we all kind of grew up together, right? Even, you know, those yeah. of us within about 10 years of each other age wise, we all kind of grew up together. And the reason, the reason Janelle, and I don't know if you know, this exists or not. Um, but the reason Janelle and I, I struck up a conversation, uh, a few days ago, the annual Craig long award, uh, was, uh, given to Max Crosby of the Raiders, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, this is an award that the media presents to a player on the Raiders that is, um, you know, cooperative with the media and, and you know, forthright and honest and, and always accommodating, that kind of thing. And again, it's not awarded by the team. It's the media, right? And uh, mm. I know Jerry McDonald and, and some of those other guys, if you remember Jerry, um, yeah. is, is, you know, uh, involved in this. And, you know, I... It, 
you know, I moved up to, to Washington over the summer and I was going through a box of photos the other day and I have this really, really great picture of Craig. And for, for my uh, limited audience that doesn't know who Craig was, Craig was a very dear friend who worked in public relations for the Raiders. And the other thing, Carlos, it's been in my mind because John Madden passed away recently. And, yeah. and if it wasn't for John Madden, Craig never works for the Raiders. Because That's so true, right? Because he's working at the Ace Hardware in in Lorenz, Iowa, and John is the the spokesman for Ace, right? Wow! And he rolls through Iowa and tells Craig, "Put him for an inter- internship. Go give it a shot." So Craig ends up at the Raiders, right? So now th- this is this is the weird thing uh, how this this universe in this world works, right? So Janelle interns for Craig, works for Craig. Right. Nicole Rodriguez, who I work for now, interns for Craig. You interned for me. You went to college with Nicole. Mm-hmm. So, right. So there's just all this weirdness. And then Asia and Asia, Asia easily and Keon Nash and that whole weird connection. Right. <laughs> so so th- there's this there's this period of time. There's this like three or four year period from 2000 to 2004, 2005 where there's all these weird cosmic connections that happen. Huh. Right. I mean, that's when you, so, that's so, I mean, you know, and, and it's, what's crazy because they're all still co- connected. Yes. And it's all because of this one guy who unfortunately isn't with us anymore. I know. Right. I mean, unfortunately Craig passed away at age 36 and the crazy thing is his wife passed away at age 34. Um, you know, and you know, with two kids and, and, you know, uh, you know, come from great, great families. And, and, uh, and and it just, you know, we didn't know Craig long enough. Right. And, you know, I, I've had, you know, him at my house, we had Thanksgiving together. Um, you know, the, the whole thing, but again, when you look at the domino effect of how we all got to know each other, it's really, really crazy. No, man. It's, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we always say that, right? Uh, God puts us, he puts people in your, your path for a reason or a season, you know? And... <laughs> I prefer the reason, right? The, se- yeah. the, the season, those, those people can go away. Um, right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Those people end up on the back of a milk carton like Ike. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, seriously, I mean, again, we go back to the beginning of the show, right? You don't tear your ACL. You don't come work for me. Right. That that never happens. And then, you know, you get all that experience and now you're in the, the Bay Area, the music scene and the, the music video and the hip hop scene. Right. All of these yep. things, everything happens for a reason, right? There's a reason I ended up at the Raiders in the first place. But then, yeah. you know, Craig, more Craig than I, but we fought for Janelle to get a full-time job. And then she yeah. ends up, you know, working in arena football and in, you know, a, a pretty high up capacity in public relations for, uh, for an Austin team, the Wranglers, I think they were. And it just, you know, again, it's back to what we started the show with. We could go years without talking. And then when we do, it's like, we never stop. There's, there's no gap, right? It's, uh, we pick right up where we left off. The connection's still there. We're not mad at each other because we didn't talk. It's like, you know, we, we fill in the gaps on what we've been doing. Right. Um, you've become a dad, which is fantastic. Welcome to the club. It's, it's, it's like the greatest club to belong to. I have two boys and, um, you know, it is absolutely the best club to be part of. Right. So, um, you're, you're, Damn, it's funny. I just, I just, I posted some. We, I had that video. Did I show you that footage of, of 
of Craig and, and us were doing a holiday little something or whatever. I'll oh my God. Things. I think you did remember. I remember that. Right. Um, cause I still talk to like Courtney angle every once in a while. Uh, she's married and still like in Livermore or whatever. Um, but yeah, I remember that we were all like after a game, right? We were all yeah, it was like after a game. We we're just kind of wishing everybody happy holiday. It was like, yeah. Oh, well, this guy here, here's the other thing about all that Carlos, right? So, um, God, I, I it's going to bother me. It's going to bug me. She works for ESPN. It's not, it's not Holly Rowe. It's the other one. It's going to bother me. Um, Shelly, right? What the hell is her last name? It's going to bother me. I'm going to have to look it up and it's, I don't want to make an edit, but I will, if I have to, uh, uh, and for the listeners, this is, this is actually a rarity. Cause it is Jerry is the human almanac. If you guys do not know, <laughs> he would be my, he would be, you would be my call. If, if I was on any one of these shows and I had needed to <laughs> call phone a friend for, <laughs> I know, and it, it right, and it's it bugs me because you know Demarcus Davis, who we know, uh, who oh yeah, Shelly Smith. Uh, if you remember Shelly Smith from ESPN, mm-hmm. yeah. you remember Monday Night Football, me, you, Craig, and Shelly Smith. Yep. And I'm at training camp a f- couple of years ago, and Shelly went through the ringer with with cancer. And, and so, right, right? right? So That's did right. Holly Rowe, and and I don't want to insult anybody who might be listening to this if they if they do. Um, but Shelly's at training camp, and you would think somebody had been through everything that she had been through wouldn't wouldn't have the capacity to remember that night or remember me. And I wanted to interview her after practice. I wanted to talk to her about you know her coverage and what she was up to and and all that. And she knew my name. It was wow. nothing for her to remember my name. And I kept thinking back to that night, me, you, Craig, and Shelly after Monday Night Football. And and it yeah, just man. it was a, a, a surreal moment. I mean, there was no hint of unrecognition. You know what I mean? You see in her eyes, yeah. she knew who I was. And then she knew my name off the top of her head. It was just freaking a stupid moment in, in life. And I'm like, how? Yeah, the life is precious, man. It's uh, it's so precious, and uh, you know we, you know, think it's just this, you know, that we just wake up and it's gonna be like this every day. But it's you know when when things like that happen and people that we know so, you know, closely and dearly, you know, pass. It's like whoa, like really reminds you how how fragile we are, and 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 you know that we should cherish every every second. You, know. you, you are 100% correct, my friend. And, and it does, it, it, you know, and it also, I, I look at it this way too. It's how you treat people in the moment, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's how you, cause you never know when it's going to come back to you. Right. I mean, I've been yeah. chasing you for a few weeks for this show. And the only reason I've been chasing you for it is because to make schedules work, it's not like you didn't want to do it. Um, no, yeah, of course. Right, trying to trying to pick the right Friday night to to do the show and 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 do all of that and and, and make it work. Um, but did you ever think in a million years, eighteen years ago, nineteen years ago, that I'd be interviewing you for my podcast? 
I mean, there's, there's, you know what? I not at all. You know, it's I think about. I remember one time you is like when I first interviewed with you or something like that. You you asked me, you know, what? Do you, or it might have been like my first week at with the Raiders, and you were like, "What do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do when you grow up?" Or something to that effect. And I was like, ah, I want to have a production company. And you were like, what? Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> and I was like, really? It is? I didn't know. I had, I had no clue really what I was saying. I just knew that I wanted that. But I also and, told you never to grow up, too. So yeah. <laughs> Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And, and, and I still haven't really grown up. No, <laughs> you haven't. I mean, you're a dad now. You You know, you have to be responsible for somebody else and all that, which is, you know, that's part of life, right? It's not always about you, but I mean, I do, I go back to that time, right? Because it was such a, we were all trying to figure it out, right? We were were trying to figure our jobs out, our careers, our families, our, our life. And, and you know, what we wanted to do. I knew what, I I mean, I was where I wanted to be, right? That wasn't the issue for me. It was, you know, obviously the fact that you were willing to come on the show and talk about all this stuff and, and, you know, lift the hood and, and and really get into some of this stuff that's near and dear to you is that, you know, we had such a great relationship then working together. Right. Yeah. It was fun, man. Yeah. I I never learned so much. Yeah. And I, and I never felt like, Oh yeah, Carlos works for me. And when I, when I say that it's just for perspective, I always felt like we just worked together. That yeah, was... no, and you never made it feel like that either. It was always like a, a mutual like partnership, which is really refreshing because, you know, most of the time you never know what, you know, and we're so we're such an intimate space that it yeah. was it, it was awesome that I can you know I you know we would share personal stories and talk about life outside of you know just sports and football. You know what I mean? It was awesome. Yeah, you and, know, that, you, and that's what laid the groundwork for our our, our friendship because it, it didn't take us yeah. long to become friends, right? So, I mean, while we while we worked together, uh, those late nights, right? While we we're waiting for the stupid freaking video to encode and <laughs> and upload and all that stuff, it's exactly. like you know, of course, we're we're talking about our hopes and dreams, and you know, it's uh, you know, when we're you know, and and we're in football at a time, at that time that was pretty magical and I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to see it again. Right. Because I mean, it was so pure. Right. And we, and you had, you could still hit guys back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They legislated that out of the game, but, but yeah, we, I mean, we're getting paid to watch Jerry Rice play. Oh my God. Oh my God. And let me tell you, this is, this is crazy. And I don't think I ever told anybody this, but I met Jerry Rice when I was 13 years old on my third, it was like a day before my 13th birthday. And he gave me his autograph. I was, I was in, um, Menlo park area somewhere. My mom, we were at some mall. I saw him at Max's cafe. It was a restaurant and I, it was, we was the only black people in the restaurant, put it that way. And, and I went up to him, I said, Oh my God, Jerry, this is, he's still with the Niners. I think, you know, this, sure. is, this is, you know, and I'm like, Oh my God, you're Jerry, right. Can I get your autograph? I just, I don't want to interrupt. He was like, Oh yeah, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. He gave him his autograph. said, good luck. And years later, I'm in the locker room looking at this man with a, I'm pointing a camera in his face, talking to him, interviewing him. And we're, I'm like, wow, I remember when I, you know, you influenced me wanting to play football. You know, and it's like here this guy is years later 
he's still playing, you know? And it was just like, wow. You know, he had the dreads that started at the top of his head. Yeah. Was, he needed to shave his head at that point. He, he, you know, <laughs> he was there, there was some on. follicles holding <laughs> for dear life. He was trying to get that, shake your dreads. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was getting down with the barrier movement. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, and it was just creeping back. Right, it was it was back. He had, <laughs> his forehead was getting long, but it's but I mean, man, but can you? I mean, that was I mean, we, legends, man. Oh, I know, and, and and Tim Brown and and Rich Gannon oh. and all and all those cats, and you know, not only you know the cat the guys we we were around every day, but the the guys we were playing against, right? I mean, and, come on, yeah, it was it was a time in football. I don't think we're we're ever gonna see again. We say that, but then you know these other guys come along, and you're like, oh, these guys are pretty good too. They're pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, they're all right. But, you know, I mean, and the funny thing is, you know, because of our connection, you get to do those, those shoot those videos and, and interview those guys. And, and you know, who knows if you, if you would ever have that chance that I'm not taking credit for it, but because you, no, would, you would have made your own way. But, you know, it, it's it's my distinct pleasure to to you know, have these moments in time with people and, and build these, these connections. When I left the Raiders, I didn't make that big of a deal out of it. And I did a couple of social media posts here and there. And I, again, you know, this show is not about that, that my career, it's just about all my fun storytelling uh, interests. But, um, you know, one of the things that was really, really cool was to see, folks like Sarah Irvin and Jen Errett. And I don't know if you remember Jen, uh, but some of these other folks that had come through and interned, even if it was for a couple of months, you know, that went to UC Davis yeah. or San Jose state or, or some of the other local colleges. And, you know, I always believed in the purity of the intern program, right? It was never, you know, free labor. It was, I'm teaching you something. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to make it an experience for you that you can take, you know, either get college credit or take it into the world. And what was really great was when they, they all came to me on my Facebook post when I left and said it was a formative experience for them. It was, a, it was, uh, a, you know, one of the best things they ever did was come work with me. And that, you know, I had tears in my eyes reading these comments. It, it just was, it was great to see and, and tells me I was doing the right things at the time. You definitely were, man. There was there was times where I was like, man, I think he's Jerry's gonna fire me, and, and <laughs> you were the last you, person. And that's what I, but you would tell me that I'm like, are you sure? I was just I just didn't know, you know. And we're, you know the inexperience and how you made the transition so easy from a, a student going into the real world is is invaluable. I mean, those are some of the still some of the things that I you know, your, some of your mentor techniques, you know, that you didn't know you were actually doing techniques. It was just you being you. I still use today because I understand the, the, the intimacy of the business that we're in, because it's not like you're like, Oh, it's not corporate where there's, I mean, even though the Raiders are kind of corporate, but when you get in your departments, you know, there's one or two people, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Two yeah. three people. And like very intimate space so if you can't work with that person you can't get to know that person you know on a, on a certain level it, it, it becomes very difficult and you're so easy to work with and you're so easy to talk to and you know open up to and you know uh you know i value those you know those times and i value our relationship man i really love you man i uh, love you too brother it it, it was 
a time when, you know, I was trying to figure it out too. Right. And, and, you know, back then we could do college internship programs. It's, you know, California labor law has changed so much that it's, they've made it really, really difficult. And, and the thing was, um, you know, a lot of times what we were doing, we were victims of our freaking equipment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're joking about I mean, that. That was the transition years, remember? I mean, that, yeah. those were the. If you really look at it, like those were the transition years of technology, like DSLRs yep. now. Like, oh my god! Oh yeah, this. yeah. We're... The, the editing now. It's like you could do it all online. Out of editing from home. Out of what were we? Like, high, you know, what were we? High eight. We were on, we were on high no we were on mini DV with mini DV that's right we were mini high eight DV. was before <laughs> I'm dating myself now. <laughs> shit right yeah it was mini DV and then then eventually and you missed out on this eventually we're firewire oh my god you missed yeah, the firewire, firewire era right firewire and we had a mi- I had a mini DV deck on my desk it was great oh, wow. oh yeah oh, we wow. were oh yeah we big were time. big time we were we were this that's close big. this close to the, to uploading to the cloud that's that's how oh, far wow. ahead we were than than when you were there <laughs> holy shit yeah freaking I did I had a mini DV on my desk the deck bought a deck and and firewire and everything else and oh yeah it was big time and then uh and then you know, God, what was a software I was using? I was using this really cool encoding software. Toward the end, I was encoding and uh, I was using Final Cut Pro. I was big time, Uh-oh. Uh, big right? Time. Yeah. And big then there was this time. this other encoding software. I was I was encoding on my on my MacBook Pro. I'm encoding <laughs> two videos at the same time. You would have been proud of me. What? Oh, oh yeah, what? yeah. I was I was putting it down. And, and on and on the bus from the stadium what? to the plane with a, a Wi-Fi jetpack. Literally, literally between 01 to 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 2010 was like light years in technology change. My God! And and then after that, I'm serious. We were we were ingesting video on the bus on the way to the mm. airport and uploading with a MiFi jetpack and and pub, and publishing content before we took off Damn. that that's how far we came remember remember we used to have to wait until we got home we had to yep. wait right to me, wait. Yeah, me and you in the office right oh we're right Years. couldn't go home until we we published the whatever it was the press conference oh. the post game interviews the whatever it was and then we were doing this shit from the bus. We were doing it from the press box at home games. And it was just yeah. light years ahead of, of where you and I started. But the thing was, we laid the groundwork for it. Yeah. No, I mean, without that struggle, you know, there would be no easy success now. You have to go through those bumps. And, you know, and I, and it's funny because nowadays, you know, there's and I, people still think I'm young, but I'm, I'm starting to get there. Um You've crossed 40, I would imagine. Yeah, man. And and it's like these kids are coming like, yeah, let's just do this and let's do this. Like, oh, man, I remember when I had to do this, this and this just to do that one thing. The struggle was real. And they're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) They're like, what? What is that? They're like, yeah. I'm like, never mind. Let me stop dating myself. Right. I want to talk to you. Let's let's, uh, change gears. Uh, You're listening to the Get the Knack podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, and I'm talking to my good friend, Carlos Custis, who's a video producer, uh, extraordinaire in uh, in the comedy space and and doing some other things in uh, in Hollywood down there in L.A. Carlos, let's talk a little bit about representation because we talked we talked a little bit about it already. You know, um, 
you know, I mentioned, uh, told the, the Paul Mooney story, and we we talked about uh, Def Jam and and uh, Comic View and that and that kind of thing. And I think I think in comedy, right, representation is is better than it ever has been when it comes to uh, you know the queer community and uh, people of color and that kind of thing. But just Hollywood in general, right? I think the last couple of years, it's been a lot of complaints about you know, oh, this didn't get nominated or not enough people of color got nominated. And, you know, I, it, looking at it through the, the white male middle-aged lens, it's really easy for me to sit here and say, well, because it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> you know, let's nominate, not, not, you know, everything Tyler Perry puts into the world is good. So I, there's, there's a, a fine line or a razor blade we're talking about here when it comes to let's have representation for for awards and shows and and I think we're getting there with the content itself but as far as the recognition goes I don't think we're there yet where 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 are you on all of this you know it's it's a tough you know hollywood is a microcosm of life in this world you know in america um you know there's there's definitely layers and tiers and glass ceilings if you will um, you know, they're starting to recognize and, you know, open their eyes to their ignorance and, and kind of homogenized way of, of, um, op, you know, operations, you know, cause it's, it's a very, like we talked about, it's a very tight knit, um, environment and, you know, you hire your friends, whoever you're around all the time, you end up hiring them and it, it, it might be ignorant and, and, um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, innocent, but when it's consistently happening and, and, you know, nothing is changing, then it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're, you know, uh, we're pouring, you know, g- more gas into this thing. And I think, um, you know, with what's going on in the world, it takes that to kind of, you know, wake people up in the corporate space because, you know, in the corporate space, sometimes you get, uh, there's so many layers, right? The, they call it the corporate ladder just to get to the top. And there's so many layers, everybody just kind of subservient, trying to make it. And they, every day, they're just, just, let me just do enough so I don't get fired. Let me just continue to get my mm. check. And this mentality that is in every corporate environment. So don't, you're, you, someone you know is is living like that and, and kind of, you know, abiding by these unwritten rules that, we should follow and it's not really fair um you know the practices that's been kind of you know uh, uh um, traditionalized and 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 i think um you know like we said you know with the new um technology and and new um platforms to watch content and see different stories being told and kind of you know have a different understanding we're able to you know, and, and like even with technology, right? A kid can pick up a phone and make a movie now. So, starting to level you know, that playing field, right? It's starting to really level the playing field, and, I, and even with you know phones being showing the the the, the misconducts and, and and the stuff that people have been, you know, that's the the news that's been suppressed. You can see it now 
physically, you know, in the neighborhood, seeing the injustice and seeing all this, you know, kind of bad stuff happening, people are starting to like, okay, maybe, maybe they're, they're you know, black people aren't just talking shit, you know, it's really well, stuff really happening, you know, because okay, that's Hollywood's starting to realize that, you know, and they're starting to open in those doors. Right. And, and, and the scary part is, is the suppression of knowledge, right? I mean, because, yeah. because here's the thing, when, when we talk about you know, all these ass clowns that want to uh, suppress like things like critical race theory, critical race mm-hmm. theory is actually true history. Right. So right. Let, let's not even, let's not get it twisted. Right. So, right. so let's, let's tell the truth about things. And, and the thing I was always taught and always learned, and it's wrong is that the winners write the history books. So, yeah. so, right. so if the winners were, were racist white people, we wrote the, the history books while, while, you know, the people of color were subjugated and didn't have a voice. Now, right. now those folks want to have a voice and it's like, no, 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 you, you can't, no, we're fine. We're, we're good. We didn't do anything wrong. Bullshit. Right. Exactly. So, and, and that's the thing. Nobody wants to really be accountable to the bullshit. Even if it, they didn't technically do it themselves, they're still, but you know, dude, well, let's learn it. it. Let's understand it. it. Let's you know, right. I mean, you know, here's the thing. You and I talked about this a long time ago, right? You're 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 black and you're Greek, right? I mean, let's not. I'm black and Filipino, but my my stepdad was Greek. Yeah. Right. 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 So, um, you know, you are you are of a very um, interesting background ethnically, right? And De- and definitely and, diverse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Right. So we we used to talk about that you know experience that you had growing up, and you know. I, the neighborhood I grew up in, it was, we had Italians or we had Puerto Ricans, we had black folks, we had Jews, we had, we had everybody. Right. So it's not like I wasn't exposed to, to people of different uh, walks of life from an, from an early age in, in my neighborhood. And then in the Navy, same thing. Right. So I've never had that, that white homogenized experience. I don't identify that way. And I don't, I don't understand racism. I don't understand discrimination. I don't get it. I don't like it. And in me, I've worked as a historian. I was a football historian, but I've worked as a historian. I'm becoming a history buff. I want to know about these things, right? I just learned recently that, that the reason, you know, black folks were brought to the Caribbean was the sugar trade. Nobody, yep. nobody wanted to, to, um, you know, uh, well, this is the, Here's another history thing. To do that like, I was kind of, there was a when when slavery started, they actually tried to enslave the native black and Indians, but they knew the the terrain so well that they used to escape. That's why they started getting Africans from West Africa because they didn't speak the language, they didn't know the terrain, they didn't know the weather, and any of that. So they were captive, more captive. And there were other so, Africans throwing them under the bus. It, well, that's that part too. I mean, you know, right, that's so the many... other part. We're not even nobody even wants to talk about. I've watched documentaries about this where you know they had those forts uh, along the coast in Africa, yep. and other Africans yeah, and they were would... they're selling their countrymen down the river. Yeah, and they they had no clue, and, and you know that's the thing. It's like there's no, you know, obviously, you know, what's happens happened, and it's happened, you know, all over the world. What's crazy is like some of the same. You know, before the 14, 1500s, when they, they, you know, the queen said, okay, you know, black people are bad. That's who we're going to attack. Blacks or Africans were of wealth and, and nobody had any color barrier. There was no color barrier. But it wasn't until 
kind of the 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 the, the conquests and it, it, they literally defined white is good, white's right, black's bad. And and literally when you go to other countries uh, like Singapore and Asia, like they even do the same thing with their own, you know, Southeast Asians who are a little darker are, aren't, you know, and like in the Philippines, like the oh, lighter yeah. skin Asians are more, you know, praised than the darker skin Asians. And it's just like this weird kind of stain that's been that the world has had to suffer through and because the of the suppression of the knowledge you know look the, the greeks as, as as much as i love the greeks they stole all that knowledge from egypt and they <laughs> well and and persia and everything else i mean i just had yeah, that conversation like the that, other day it's like you know engineering and mathematics and all of that stuff came from the middle east from, yeah, exactly. That didn't come from. That came from you know the Egypt and Africa was been around a lot longer than. That's the cradle you know. of civilization. Is where we all exactly. sprang from, right? I, but but the, the 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 credit hasn't been put no, on there. It's no, it's still it's, we're they're, they're still calling Africa barbaric and all this other same things, with Native Americans, still, right? I mean, when you think about it, I mean, colonialism. Period. No matter no matter who yeah. you know, the the English, the Dutch, and whoever, the French, the Spanish, everybody who engaged in that, and yeah. and you know, from from right from the sixteen hundred on, sixteen hundreds on is is guilty of all of this, right? And yeah. and what is wrong with telling that story? It's it's important to understand the story. I don't understand no, but, why but we don't want to tell it. We've been, it's like, it's like telling everybody the sky is green and then now we're finding out it is blue. It's hard to adjust, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, I mean, but we, we did it with, with Pluto. Yeah, <laughs> we legislated Nobody that motherfucker right out of the solar Pluto system, anymore. didn't like, okay, we? We got <laughs> <laughs> to do thing. the same thing right. with our history. You right. know? Well, here's the thing, Carlos, fuck a bunch of white people. Seriously. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I, it's it's interesting because, you know, again, because of where I grew up and, and the people I've come across in, in my life, I I mean, I say this uh, and, and, and I'll put it into context. Right? I don't care what color you are. I really don't. But but to say I'm colorblind would be a misnomer. Right. I understand your 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 ethnicity, your ethnic background and, and that kind of thing. To say you're colorblind is, is another way of whitewashing the whole thing. Right. Exactly. Oh, I don't see color. Well, why don't you? Because everybody right. has this unique experience. I just found out a few years ago. I'm I'm English, Scottish, and Irish, right? And I and when I when I think about all of that, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm as white as you can get, um, <laughs> right? But the the fact of the matter is, um, you know, a lot of a lot of my ancestors or or people from my ancestral home are responsible for a lot of this, and you know, they they went out. And they did what they did. There's no harm in telling the story. Let's yeah, understand no, it. I, it's funny that um, um, I was was I, I've been watching Watchmen. Have you been? It's yeah, kind of, I watched that too. And you know what? If it wasn't for that show, I wouldn't have known about the the freaking uh, thing the in Oklahoma. From, I would have never oh known. My God. I would have never known. And you know, I knew, but I wasn't. Like even when I went to play Tulsa when I was playing college, I knew about it, but it it didn't come to my aware. I wasn't really really woke about it until more or less like last two years, three years. I started doing yeah. more research on it and was like, holy shit! Yeah. And then like all these other, 
you know, kind of grave burials, if you will, like around the country started popping up and it, it just was like, Oh my God. Like, oh yeah. Read, read Colson Whitehead. You'll, you'll learn. Right. I mean, oh, if you, shit. Colson yeah. Whitehead. Okay. Yeah, right. You're, yeah. I'm sure, you know, um, you know, and I've only read one of his books, but uh, it was very moving and, 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 you know, ridiculously educational, even though it's quote unquote fiction. Um, you know, uh, I read the nickel boys and talk about a, a moving book and, it, you know, I've been reading Stephen Graham Jones who, who talk, who does a lot of, uh, it's, it's horror fiction, but it's a lot of native American lore. And, you know, we talk about, you know, black folks, but at the same time, look at what happened to native Americans. Yeah, man. I mean, they, they all barbarians all need, you know, Jesus in your life. And, right. and, you know, there's something wrong with what you're doing and the Aztecs right. and, and the Mayans and, and every manner of native American in, in, you know, the continental U S and Canada, you're, they're all wrong and we need to, to impose, cleanse. yeah, cleanse yeah. yeah right, and impose our will on everybody. And it, it just becomes white is right and everybody else is wrong. And it's just to, to, to continue to tell that as as the gospel truths and and story it's like every time anybody wants to say well george washington did this or thomas jefferson did that or ben franklin was a freak because he was um right right (laughs) it's wrong right oh you can't say anything about the founders of this country the fuck we can't right it doesn't mean they they didn't do something great right but at the same time they did something great too right both i mean look you gotta you got to break some eggs to make some omelets. That, right. And exactly. You're right. Let's talk about the eggs that were broke mm-hmm. and then talk about the greatness of the omelet. A hundred percent. And and the thing of it is it, both things can be true. Yes. <laughs> you know, right. They're not mutually exclu- exclusive. They, they, right. So, so yeah, Ben Franklin was, was going to freaking weird sex orgies in weird tunnels in Europe, but he also, you know, helped us, invent electricity as we know it and did all these other things right or you had some slaves doing it sure whatever (laughs) how whatever the truth is let's get to the truth let's get to the truth exactly right i mean and and that's why that was one of the that was one of the big reasons like i really wanted to get into storytelling and into the you know media and content because the narrative growing up i never really saw something that excited me or or you know represented me i mean even still like there's still no one you're a unicorn anyway so i'm I'm a mixed person there's not enough content about mixed people no you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's like so there's there's still stories to be told even when there's as many mixed race athletes as there are there still aren't enough stories about all of this stuff right right you know what i mean colin kaepernick I don't know if you saw that. That was pretty good. Colin yeah. Kaepernick. And, 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 I mean, you know, a, a ton, I mean, look at uh, what, what's my man from Seattle and, and the Chiefs. And I mean, they're all mixed, you know, and yeah, Clay Thompson and, and a lot and Steph Curry I mean, and a it, lot but, of other but folks. Yet we got to talk about that. They're only black. Like, no. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're white, right. too. Obama is white, just as much white as he is black. Right, but your experience, you know, right? I mean, when you think about it, with the the whole Filipino, the Greek, the the black, the I mean, you're it's it's it's, it's a, a very, whole melting pot, you know. Right, and it's, and, it's and, hard to even talk about like how I can't really identify with any 
thing directly because I am not a hundred percent anything. I, and you know, it's tough. You know, it it's is really. And and you know, you know and, and if we really were do more ancestry, most of you know people are kind of mixed with something. You know what I mean? I, I joke with the family because when you look at my twenty three and me and my ancestry, I have some black folks in my family tree. In, in there you team, go. Right. So so I'm all I'm all freaking Tommy Smith, right? I'm I get the fist in the air. I'm like, oh my people. And, and they're like, shut up. Don't don't do that. Put your hand down. Don't do that ever again. And I've met Tommy Smith and I've interviewed him and he's a wow. great guy. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I met him in Atlanta baby. at an event and then I, I uh chatted with him at Mexico City. He lit the torch, uh, you know, for Al Davis and all that in Mexico City. And, wow. Yeah, I, I met the guy, right? And, you know, here's, here's this fantastic civil rights icon. And, you know, and and it's so funny. I, I You know, like, I'm black. My, my people. My, <laughs> Angie's like, just shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> she's like, no, you're not black. I just got, like, some new DNA relatives on 23andMe, and there's a black guy, like a fourth cousin. I'm like, okay, see, look, I'm black. See, I'm in there. <laughs> I knew there was something. <laughs> But you know the whole thing, right? But when we talk about politics and all that, right? I mean, I have people asking me, like, okay, where do you, with Trump and the wall in Mexico? It's like, where do you come down with this? I'm like, put me on the other side of the wall. I'm gonna go to Farolito in Mexico City. I'm gonna eat tacos. Right? Just leave me over there. I'm good. And leave me with, yeah, leave me with the Mexicans because I, you know, I'm with them. Right? It's like I don't. I can't. It's tough, man. It's it's, you know, it's a weird um, thing to to try to grasp. It is and, and, and keep hold of. Yeah, and that's why know? I asked you about it because, you know, again, because it doesn't. My my whole problem is, and and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but if it's not good, let's not nominate it, right? But yeah, but here's the other thing: is there ample opportunity? If there's ample opportunity and, and the material's bad, okay, fine. But if there's not enough opportunity, let's make sure that that opportunity exists. Yeah, and I think what it is is that there's a not and the people who make the decisions, there's not enough diversity in those rooms to even figure out who to pick to make the right you know choice on projects and whatnot. So that as much as there's diversity on screen, there's still not enough diversity in the studios and the producings and directings and casting, you know, uh, arenas. I, I can't of, agree of with you more. I think you just, I mean, you just crystallize the whole thing in like two sentences, right? Because even shows like chapel weight, um, with Adrian Brody, which is, which is based on a Stephen King story. Um, you know, it's the prequel to Salem's Lot. They explored the diversity, right? His family is is South Pacific Islander, and they're discriminated against in in you know in New England. And I, you know, there's you know there's people out there pushing back saying, no, 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 we're we're forcing this. I'm like, no, we're not, right? I mean, we're we're representing people on screen who are not represented. Yeah, and, and so let's do that. But at the same time, let's not put stuff up for awards that's just not good. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. It's like the people who making those decisions, you know, how are how are they even being? You know, how did they get their job? Right, <laughs> it's like, right. Get... And we're back to that tastemaker conversation, right? We're, yeah. we're back to that, right? Is if it's the fans, if it's us, if it's a consumer saying what's good and what's not, okay, you got to listen to us now. 
Yeah. Right. Right. You know, you're not that that you know that Thirty Rock executive deciding you know what to put on television anymore. No, 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 no. It's Carlos Custis on the street in L.A. Right. or Oakland that that finds the guy. You know, I mean, freaking even a, even a group like uh, Soundgarden did a song called Spoon Man because they found a guy who was really good at clicking spoons together in a rhythmic pattern. Right. 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 Right, so so who's to say today Spoonman wouldn't be the next viral freaking star on TikTok or whatever? Yeah, I mean, and that's why I love you know that there are other alternative you know outlets that um, you can make a living on. I mean, I know one of these, I know a couple of YouTubers making you know over a hundred grand a month, you know, just doing their little thing on YouTube. So it's it's. Uh, you know, made me want to almost think about rechanging my career. Like, wait, should I be on YouTube too? Hey, you (laughs) know, there was this guy you used to know, used to build websites, um, did some digital media and, you know, you, you ignored him for your comedy career. Now you're ignoring him for this shit. Um, all of a sudden, (laughs) (laughs) again, we find out Jerry's making a million a month on YouTube, right? I mean, I'm gonna be like, Jerry, I need a job, (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of the other way around, right? But, but again, you know, it goes back to what we talked about from the very, very top of the show, right? It's it's about putting good things out in, in the universe. Back in May, Nicole would have never reached out to me if I wasn't good to her, you know, 15, 20 years ago, right? If we if we didn't do what we did that night in the parking lot, maybe she doesn't think of me that way that, right. you know, she wants to work with me, right? So it, it it's about putting good things in the universe, and when you do, it comes back to you. Yes, sir. Yes, and, sir, Jerry. And, and whether it doesn't matter what you believe in, right? I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, God and, and, and that kind of thing and, and putting people in, in your, uh, in your path. What well, it doesn't, yes. it doesn't matter what you believe, right? It's if you put good things in the universe, it comes back to you. And just like this conversation has been absolutely fantastic. It's, it's a long time coming. We should have done it a long time ago. We should have just been talking on the phone any damn yeah. way. Right. And we will now. now oh yeah, now. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so, um, your your little boy, you said, is five. He's five years old. Cameron. Oh man, he's he's he's, he's a, at that amazing. age. Oh yeah. 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 He's, he's already he's already a star, man. He uh, he actually was uh, in an Apple commercial a couple <laughs> Jesus years back. Christ. Of he course was he playing, was. Uh, yeah. I'm know. sure he's a very ugly child. <laughs> so ugly he needs to be on camera <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i mean to think to think about this i mean i i you know talking about how you grew up and everything in in your your background but i mean to think from from playing football at san jose state to an internship with the raiders to making music videos for for guys who are now hip hop royalty to uh-huh. meeting to meeting the you know, creme de la creme in stand-up comedy right. and, and creating your own niche in comedy, right? Never mind that, you know, that you're, you're working with those guys, you're, you're doing your own thing in it. Now you're, you're producing television shows. Did you ever think, you know, 25 years ago, this would be your life? No, but I dreamed it. Um, but I, de- I never would think, you know, uh, it's, you know, one thing I would say is like, Sometimes the, your daydreams become 
your career <laughs> that this is what i daydreamed about just making mm-hmm. content and getting paid for it and uh i'm doing it man and it's 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 never i've never really worked a day in my life so you know now that i i'm doing what i love so well you know what's kind of so funny is i remember you know if you remember wendy Riker. Yeah, of course. Right. I had been emailing with Wendy before I had ever, you know, got an interview with the Raiders. And Angie and I were having, when we were dating, we had a, we were having dinner one night. I said, could you imagine if I was ever the guy who ran Raiders.com? And, and, and it was just, you know, pie in the sky, you know, wishful thinking. And then, you know, I did it for, for 17 years before becoming yeah. the, the team's historian. So it, it, you're right, right? You dream it, right? You 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 speak these things into existence. They happen. Um, yeah. And then what's really, really cool about it, what's great about it, you meet some people along the way. And I don't collect friends. I don't collect people. Um, I, I have a, a very, very small bucket of what I, you know, consider good friends. And you come across somebody like yourself who you connect with on a level besides professional, besides work, and then you make a lifelong friend. And yeah. that's what makes it all worthwhile. Definitely. You, you said it. You yeah, said I, it, man. I, I do words. That's that. So I've been told I, I, I do words. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> why I want to. I want to. We'll, we'll have another sidebar about. That yeah, yeah. Idea. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. Um, Cause you're, you're definitely a talent yourself. I appreciate that. I, uh, I have a lot of fun doing this podcast. It was, wor- um, I guess, uh, national DJ day yesterday, disc jockey day. Uh, I oh, used no. to, yeah, I used to be one. So, uh, it's wicked, one- wicked, wicked. <laughs> not that kind, but yeah. Jerry uh, on the ones and twos. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, it's more like we got, we got some wicked, wicked wax stacked up. Yeah. Yeah. Sticking my head outside, uh, the weather right now, it's a little chilly outside. Uh, um, but yeah, working for Armed Forces Radio and Television, uh, my my days as a disc jockey are very very near and dear to me. So it's one of the reasons I do this podcast, and and I'm very very uh, happy and blessed that uh, you were able to come on the show tonight. Thank you for having me, Jerry. Um, I, have, I had a great time. Great. Yeah, yeah, and and one of the best compliments I've ever gotten about the show is it's like listening to two old friends talking on the phone. That's, I almost forgot we were recording for a second. Right? Yeah. So. Literally like that. Yep. So thank everybody. Sometimes I feel like it's pregame. We're having (laughs) a pregame cigarette. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, those were the days, weren't they? Back in the, back in the cigarette days. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, It's funny. Oh my God. You gave those up? Oh, I quit. No, wait. 2008, oh, I quit cigarettes. Good for so, you, man. Yeah. Yep, couldn't do it anymore. Actually, the late Doc Albo, if you remember Dr. Albo, who was one of the Raiders team doctors, wrote me a prescription for Chantix. Nice. And, yeah, and, uh, and Chantix helped me kick uh, cigarettes. Uh, I had tried um, cold turkey before. It didn't work. And then Chantix, uh, within weeks, I didn't have any more cravings. And, uh, yeah, I've been smoke-free since 08. So, yeah. And uh, and this episode has been brought to you by Chantix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me and Ray Liotta. If you remember those cringy commercials oh, from a yeah. couple, oh, couple yeah. of 
couple of years ago. Yeah, hi, I'm Ray Liotta from from Goodfellas. Uh, yeah, no, oh my God, those were awful commercials. Uh, but uh, but Carlos, thank you very much for uh, being my guest on the show tonight. I really appreciate it, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll have to have a conversation about some business that we want to discuss, but we have to continue to, uh, to chat, uh, you know, oh, friendly cool. and, uh, and continue to uh, catch up and fill in some gaps. Uh, will do. Yep. Well, thanks so, for having me here. Yeah. Appreciate what, it. what is this thing you're, uh, what is this other thing you got going on right now? You got a project in the works right now. We got a couple things going on. Um, I'm working, I'm doing a, a live show that actually streams live. So you and your, uh, audience can actually watch, uh, crack them up um, live comedy uh, once a month uh, uh, right here in LA. Uh, if you can't make it physically, there's a link in my Instagram bio that you can uh, watch and uh, pay a small uh, club entrance fee, digital in- <laughs> club entrance fee and uh, watch some, you know, the next generation, your next Tiffany Haddishes, your next, mm. you know, Lil Rells and Chappelle's and, whatnot um we got them uh and if you want to like if you like to laugh it's it's a spot you know come come check us out vibu is uh the company that we're um our, our digital company it's a new ott that we're dropping um in this fall uh it's called v v-i-b-u so it's a new ott that'll be available on your apple devices and phones to download um and watch the funniest and the funniest and the best comics on the planet. <laughs> Got it. And, and, you know, I'd be remiss if we did, since we're talking so much about comedy, uh, I'd be remiss if we did not give a shout out and an RIP to Louis Anderson, who just passed away at oh, age 68. Uh, one of the, one of the best stand-up comics of all time. He hosted uh, family feud uh, before Steve Harvey took over. Um, he was the best part of the show baskets with Zach Galifian. Galifianakis. I have so much trouble with that damn name. Um, it's Greek, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, between two ferns and all that, but uh, he, he, Louis Anderson uh, was was the best part of the show. Baskets. Um, yep. And uh, you know, I am not the clown. Um, he he was also he for all your uh, uh, American. I mean, um, coming to America, buffs. He was. This is I'm washing lettuce guy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I do. I remember when Louis hit, and I was like, "This guy's freaking hilarious." And then, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, one of the best drag performances as as uh, yeah as Basket's mom uh, in, in fantastic. Um, but uh, unfortunately, only sixty eight, right? So, um, but uh, but yeah, Carlos, thank you very much for uh, for being on the program. Uh, IMDb, look up Carlos Custis is spelled K O U S T A S. Um, for those of you who are uh, college football aficionados, you can look him up on SportsReference.com. Two years at San Jose State, cornerback. Uh, you know, ah, four years. I was there four years. But you but played two was, seasons. You were there four injured. years, but yeah, I was injured a couple seasons. Well, yeah, I know. And then San Jose State goes to Ohio State and takes the money. But yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's right. hey, that's why you got all the great facilities now, right? And you took that Ohio yeah. State money back in the day. But yeah, so. 
that's going to do it for this edition of the Get the Knack podcast for my good friend, my former intern and and comedy aficionado and and uh, mover and shaker in in all realms of uh, comedy digital media, Carlos Custis. I have been Jerry Knack. We will talk to you next week.